Hi, hello, how are you? How we doing? Thanks for stopping by. Today we're going to talk to some real people about some real things, people living real lives, doing real stuff. This is the Working Perspectives Podcast. As always, I'm Matt Lavelle, accompanied by my editor and producer, Tom Byers. Our guest today is Nick Gill. As always, we can be found on YouTube, Instagram, and all podcast platforms at Working Perspectives Podcast. And please, if you could, follow us along on Twitter at Working P Pod. And then if you would like to be a guest and do us the honor of coming on, you can email us at workingperspectives at gmail.com. Uh, we have had a bunch of requests come in already. Thank you so much to everyone who's requested. Uh, a couple people didn't pass the approval process. Kind of rough approval process. Um, so, uh, Lord Voldemort, sorry, uh, but, you know, you're, you're a tech kid. Can't do it, you know. Uh, hey, if you see Neville Longbottom, though, give him the, give him the contact info. Uh, Draco Malfoy, uh, you know, you're kind of a platinum blonde that's almost like uh, half ginger to me. So you're not on either. Uh, and then uh, Thomas Lavelle. Sorry, man. I know this is uh, another week you didn't make it, but, uh, you know, keep trying. It's a rough approval process. What are you going to do? Now, before we get into it with our athletic director, Nick Gill, I have a guest expert. So at this moment, I'm going to kick it over to our guest expert, Bern Podkesey, who's going to give us a little synopsis of what to expect from this week's guest. Bern, take it away. Some fun facts about Nick Gill. He once worked as a beat writer for the Oakland Raiders while living in Philadelphia. His favorite musician is Eric Carmen, and he has two career hole-in-ones to his name. All right, and those were some fun facts about Nick Gill. Vern, thanks again for always coming through as a guest expert. Uh, all right, let's get started. All right, Shake, let me tell you about this guy. Tell me all about him. This guy is one of the greats. Look, Shake, you and me, we are proud members of the Confederation of Forestry Park Natives, the baddest gang in all the land, right? Right, absolutely. Had, had this guy grown up in Lansdale, he would have definitely been a member of the Confederation of Forestry Park Natives. That's high praise. That's high praise, Matt. It's one of those guys, you know what? When him and uh, you know his 44 brethren, you see these guys, and right away I look at that jib and I tell myself I like the cut of that jib, you know. He's got a good jib, good jib, <laughs> right? So uh, let's go back a couple years, right? I am probably he. I think he's one year younger than me, so I'm probably 19, and I'm working at Vinny T's with Burn and uh, Nick. Here is in high school, right? So it's either St. Patrick's Day or some holiday or whatever that we made up. And him and his buddies come on down to Burns' house because Nick happens to be best friends with Burns' younger brother, right? So I'm there hanging out with Burns, and Burns' like, hey, let me introduce you to my buddy, uh, buddy or my brother and his buddies. So he takes me over. I meet his brother, and maybe we'll have him on one day, maybe not. And then I meet this guy. This guy, Nick Gill. Right away, I knew it was like, me and this guy, we're going to be friends. Love it be friends. Really was. You know, it was a bromance that bloomed right away. Uh, so 
either way, back then I used to have a penchant for what are called Irish car bombs. And I'm not talking the real bomb. I'm talking the drink. And mm-hmm. we know this drink where it's like, uh, you know, maybe two thirds pint of Guinness. And then we got a two thirds shot of JMO topped off with uh, some Bailey's. Drop it in there. Chug it up. Chocolate milk. Delicious. Now, uh, I was underage, but I have already admitted to several crimes. So I did drink a lot of car bombs underage. Nicholas, though, was pro. He was not drinking the car bombs because I think they had like a basketball or some kind of sport. I forget. Mm. Either way, he wanted to be a good guy. But he witnessed the car bombs being drank and he saw the madness that ensued. And for years after that, I had the nickname of Car Bomb Matt, which I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't mind going back to that nickname. It was yeah, good. good like, Car Bomb Matt's not bad. You We've know, just a lot of good nicknames and that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's no Chub Rock, but Car Bomb Matt's way up there, right? It's no Kid Salami. Oh, God, there's only one kid salami, pal. <laughs> so either way, years go by, and I see him around more and more. He ends up, uh, after high school, going to Temple. So he then gets a house with uh, Burns' brother down at Temple. We'd party down there, have some fun, always hang out, always a good dude to be around. Uh, then he would move in to, him and Burns would move in together on another house near Temple years later. But either way. Then what happened was Game of Thrones came into all our lives, right? Mm. And there was a time uh, I got really into Game of Thrones and I classified myself as an expert. And I used to go on another show as an expert of Game of Thrones. So uh, that being said, I used to do another thing is where I would, all of our friends, I would classify them as characters in the world of Game of Thrones. Like I always saw myself as kind of a Robert Baratheon you know, kind of a lovable kind of guy or a, or, a, or a, you know, a tripod pain. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but then, you know, and then I saw like, you know, like, uh, like Burn, right? Burn is kind of like a Davos Seaworth in a way, kind of cool kind of dude. You know, then mm. there was always guys like I was like, you know, Braun too, right? I always yeah. wanted to be a Braun. Braun Braun I think. Braun might be the best character in the whole damn show. Yeah. One of them. Got the best line. So either way, either way, this guy since day one was always classified as Sir Arthur Dane, the Sword of the Morning. Right? He's a once in it for our listeners at home. I mean, of course, I know who it is. All right. So yeah. Okay. So uh, I don't know. I think it might have been season six. Yeah, season six. It was the year they had the Battle of the Bastards. So I believe that was season six. Mm-hmm. So you remember they had like a flashback where young Ned Stark went to a tower, right? Yeah. And it was him and like six of his guys against yeah. two of the knights or two of the Kingsguard. And yeah. the one dude, right, almost killed Ned. And he was like the baddest dude. And he almost yeah. killed all of them. And he was like fighting with two swords and going nuts. He was like the best fighter, right? Okay. That's Sir Arthur Dane, the Sword of the Morning. All right. Now, so for those the, of you, in the main part of the show, he's like an old dude, though, right? Uh, he's he's dead in the main part of the show. He died uh, at he died at the at the tower. I know this is a uh, we're bird walking here, but who's the old dude that always is like ends up fighting in 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 some of the episodes? But he's like noticeably too old to be like actually fighting. Oh, would that be Jorah Mormont? Well, the, is that Khaleesi's guy? 
No, no, he's like even older than that. I don't know. I'm, I'll figure it out. Maybe one of our listeners will. Uh, uh, yeah. what talking about. Was he around in the later episodes? Uh, he, I forget. I'll look it up. I, I shouldn't even brought it up. I, you, I honestly, honestly, it's probably Davos who you're talking about. Maybe. Balderhead I, kind of guy. Yeah, just like was, a, with, was with Stannis, had his fingers chopped off, called in the maybe, onion. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. Anyway, continue, yeah. man. I'm sorry. Either way. So, yeah. Uh, so this guy, Nick Gill. He's the reason they called Sir Arthur Dane the Sword of the Morning is, you know, if you're a Dane, the Sword of the Morning, it's called Dawn. It doesn't get handed down to you. It's earned and it's given to a once in a generation talent that comes along once in a lifetime that affects everyone and it changes the world. That's (laughs) this guy. All right. Yeah. He's He's one of the greats. And I know we've been bird walking, as you call it. So. I want to take this time. I want to introduce. Uh, he's an athletic director for a school district. His story of how he got there is incredible. Uh, he's a great guy to know. He's going to be a great friend of the show. Uh, Nick, I know you're doing great and everything's happy and fun. But before we get started, I just want to know uh, have you seen the movie Bohemian Rhapsody? And if yes, what were your thoughts? Uh, I have not seen it, but with that recommendation, I will certainly check it out. I also yes, appreciate no, no, that. Don't, yeah. don't check it. Nope, nope, don't do it. No, it's not. Watch it twice. You're, you're better off not seeing it. It's a sack <laughs> of shit. It's an awful, awful movie. I turned it off not even halfway through. It's garbage. Well, you saved me two even, hours then. Yeah, I didn't even get to the AIDS stuff, which is apparently the best part. Yeah. Oh, the best God. part of your movie is AIDS. Come on. Come on, tells you all you need to know. But either way, brother, how you doing, man? I'm great, buddy. I'm super fired up to be here with you. You're the Dude, man. Not gonna lie, me and Shake have been buzzing to get you <laughs> on, pal. Once I told him who you were and how how great you are, and you know, he also got a recommendation from a previous guest, Bernard Podkesy, who said that this guy is tap natch. We have quite the 44th lineup coming up. Because we booked you and we booked a couple other forty forters, uh, we're gonna have forty. We're gonna have the forty four thing coming up in here. So one of the reasons I want to get into this quick. So uh, our guy here, Nick Gill, he was born in forty four PA, right? And you know he uh, forty four. I feel in Lansdale have a lot of things in common with like the class of people that are there. It's like a blue collar working class kind of town, you know, maybe some white collar mixed in with the blue collar, whatever collar you want on it. we got a lot of collars, right? So I always, when I, when I would hang out with you guys, I always thought like, yeah, these guys would mesh. We mesh good. And one of the things I loved is that I feel like kids that grew up like we did had a woods that they would hang out at, right? So we had the woods by us. We, it was, uh, you know, and like, this is in a neighborhood where like, it was all homes and stuff, but these woods for us were like next to a hospital. You know what I mean? So these woods, and, uh, we were really creative when we came up for the name of these woods, but we called them no outlet. Right. And that's just because the sign to walk into the woods said no outlet, real creative thinkers here, but you and your people can I cannot wait to tell Shake what you guys called your woods. Please, please, if you will, Mr. Gill. Yeah, absolutely. So the border of Forty Fort and Swarsville, there are railroad tracks. And that 
in those woods, which we referred to as Hobo Jungle. There was a lot of salacious activities going on back there. Oh, that's where. So I love the progression of at first you're back there looking at the creek and the animals when you're real little. You're like, whoa, what is this? Then when you grow up, you're building bike ramps and things like that and, and jumping bikes and all that good stuff. Then after that, you're having your first beer there, you know, maybe smoking a cigarette there, you know. Then after that, you're taking a girl back there and maybe playing a little baseball. You know what I'm saying? Playing a little baseball, right? Is that the escalation? Because that's what it, I mean. I never did the girl thing, but everything else I did, right? Was that the same escalation that you had? Yeah, no, no doubt about it. That's where you always <laughs> went to, to to get down, and uh, and there was actually some mattresses that got back there in some way, shape, or form. And I think that was the time where we were like, all right, like that. I think this is probably have to put Hobo Jungle to bed at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> Dude, that's great. Did you guys ever build a tree fort? We didn't know. We, we had some bike ramps back there that we would ride on. Uh, we didn't get to the tree fort. I don't think we were that mobile, oh. you know? Dude, we had, we built a, we, so there was this like lumber place that was by, so, we call it, it was a Korean church. It was near our house, but there was like this lumber place that was right next to it that didn't have a fence. So like one year we stole like a bunch of wood and like, we would just steal wood out of people's yards and stuff. And we built this fort that like, cause I remember one time, I think we counted, there was like 18 of us on this like platform that could fit up there. And like, we had like, you know, we had underneath and we had like two perches up top. Like it was pretty, pretty badass tree fort but that's where we would play like manhunt and capture the flag and things like that in the woods and eventually graduated to paintball and then we played normandy which was my idea which was bad which was (laughs) because eventually like you know we didn't take care of the paintball guns that well and we would get down to like we don't have that many paintballs left and we only have one gun that's actually working so what we would do is there would be there's like the creek right so one person would be on one side of the creek and then the other person would be on the other side of the creek and they had to run from one tree to the other while people were shooting at them. And we called it Normandy because there was a creek there and people like thought they were storming the beaches, you know, bad, bad choice. But either way, <laughs> good times, though, I'm sure. Oh my yeah, God. good times, dude. I still remember. All right. So there's this kid. We called him Botus, Right. So Botus was Botus was awesome. But uh, Botus. <laughs> so I he was playing with this like he was playing paintball with us one day and I thought I'd emptied the gun right and let I didn't know that I still had one paintball left in the chamber of the gun and I legit because I thought it was empty and I was just gonna dry fire on him I legit put it up right next to his stomach and shot him right and he had like a coat on but dude, and he was like, ah, oh, I was like, there's nothing in there, you pussy, right? And then like the, the next day he, sh- he lifted up his shirt and it was like, oh my God, like I cracked a rib. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> that was brutal, but still <laughs> pretty good. So enough yapping from me. Let's get to know our guest and the story of how he became the amazing man he is today. So let's start where you were born, 44 PA. Uh, I consider Lansdale, P- PA, <clears throat> Lansdale, Pennsylvania, the land of the free and the home of the brave. I would also associate that vernacular with 44 PA. Is that a correct assumption, Mr. Gill? Yes, I would 100% agree with that. Uh, 44 Pennsylvania. 
I had a wonderful childhood. All my friends that I still have now, <clears throat> most of them are 44 people. So it was an unbelievable upbringing. So here's something, too, that I remember running into, like, as you expand in the world that people are kind of blown away by. Like, I am still really good friends with all the kids I grew up with, right? And same, like, you know, a few aside in prison or whatever, died, whatever it is. But most of the guys I grew up with were all really good friends to this day. And I remember, like, we would go to college and, and like, or, like, I never went to college, but, you know, some people go to college and whatever, and I remember like meeting girls and stuff and they were saying like, you guys have been friends since you were seven. Like, really? And I'm like, yeah, is it like I, to me? I know you have that, but like, I don't know. It's did you ever run into that out in the real world where people were like, what? You've had been friends with someone since you were seven and blah, blah, blah. You know, blows people's minds, man. It blows people's Dude. minds that you can be, you know, when we were like 21 years old, you're like, no, I, I went to preschool with this guy and that I'm in college with <laughs> now. They're like, wait, what? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's been my dude. buddy for my for as long as I can honestly remember. Dude, same. I could like I I remember like and like I don't know. I, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't look down on people that you know they they didn't. But in a way, I'm like, bro, you, you know, like you definitely tell like there's like a code almost where like I think I know the code, you know the code, but dudes that aren't friends with like the boys they grew up with still, they don't know the code. And there's a code, you know. Yeah. Well, you just know that those guys, you know, they're your boys. They got your back no matter what. You've known them your whole life. You know their families. You know their oh, yeah. siblings and everybody. Oh, so yeah. it's all love, man. Ride or die, brother. Burn exactly. rubber, not soul. So, <laughs> okay. Let's talk. This is one thing I did want to get into. So when I was coming up, right, your bike was your horse, right, when you were a kid. Same for you guys? Uh, all day. Yeah, man. No doubt about it. You got love the – I, I remember I had a – Sweet, sick, green, like a lime green dino bike. Oh. It was just, dude, it was so nice. Dude, I would have, dude, honestly, like, I would have given all my feet to have, a like, a, like, so, uh, I still hate it to this day. That's probably why, like, I have a bike now that I really, like, paid whatever for. But when I was a kid, I had a bike that was, like, like a no name it wasn't a huffy but it was like one step above a huffy you don't want to be the kid with the huffy right but it was like one step above a huffy and i was so like all my friends like i remember my one buddy had a mongoose villain right do you remember the mongoose villain oh dude what a bike it had the gyro it had the pegs on the front and the back oh the mongoose mongoose villain the mongoose was the 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 Rolls Royce man, and the dino. Oh. It was like the mongoose dino rivalry that you had. The, yep. But the mongoose was Haro. the gold standard. Oh yeah, yep. dude. And then Haro was like the Mercedes. Oh yeah, for yes. sure. But dude, mongoose. Like as I remember, a couple buddies had a mongoose menace, and like uh, my other buddy had a mongoose villain. I had a buddy who had a Haro Zippo. What a name for a bike, a Zippo, <laughs> right? But these things were like killer, killer bikes, and I was stuck with my. I don't even say the name. We called it, oh, this is a bad thing. We'll just call it the Rue. But yeah, not the choicest bike. But, you know, better than a Huffy. But either way, dude, fucking, oh my God. I remember, so there was like, and I almost bought it right now because I remember looking up bikes, but you had your Mongooses, you had your Haros, you had your Dinos, right? There was another big one that I'm missing, like GT. You had your GTs that were big, right? But I remember this one kid in our neighborhood, he had an elf. Did you ever see an elf bike? 
I don't think so. Dude, this shit was like, this is the fucking, like, you know, there's Ferrari, Mercedes, whatever. This shit is like a McLaren on steroids, this fucking bike. And Elf, I remember this kid had this bike. I was like, damn, like, that's the bike of bikes right there. You know, couldn't steal it from him because he was a tough kid, but still not a bad bike. So all right. a terrible so name for a bike, though, too. Like the elf. It's just I just feel like that's not it doesn't give it justice. But like maybe I'm pretty sure it was the elf. But <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully it's the right name. But the elf. Right. It was like chrome with like electric blue. You know what I mean? And it was like lightning fast. Oh, my God. Super cool. And then you jump. So, OK. I remember when I was a kid, there was different kids that would go to the bike jumps, right? There was the kids that were doing the bike jumps that were fucking psychos, right? That were like going crazy on them, right? Those kids are nuts. Then there's the kids that would talk shit about it, right? But would never do it. And then there was the kids that would just hang out and do it like once or twice. I was a definitely a once or twice hanger outer guy. And that wasn't the psychos, you know? Yeah, what are you? Same, same. Yeah. Once or twice guy, take it in, try to look cool on my bike, you know, throw my eight balls on there, my chromies, no, my donuts, chromies. you know, <laughs> style profile like Ric Flair, and then, you know, just call it a day. You know, go through Dude. once. Yeah. Not going <laughs> to lie. Not going to lie. When I bought, I have a Trek Marlin 5 now. Beautiful bike. I bought, it's murdered out, black on black, right? So nice. And, and the, you, you'll, you'll be assured the first accessory I bought this bike were chromies, right? And they're like black, you know, gunmetal chromies, whatever. But did you, so what we would always steal chromies off of cars, right? Same. You're doing the same thing. Yep. Eight balls were a staple. The dice were big, right? The yep. dice were huge. Oh my God. God. Yeah. Dice, eight balls, chromies. I mean, if you were over at 44 park, you had to protect your neck because somebody was oh. coming for your goods. You know, Dude, we would keep ours in our shoes when we went to the pool. Yep. Smart. Smart. You didn't have a choice. You didn't have a choice. I don't want, no one's taking my chromies, pal. You know, <laughs> man, I remember I did get my bike stolen one time. Oof. That was brutal. I had my, take my dad to this kid's house to get it back. You know, my mind, I was like, dad, this bike kind of sucks. Maybe let's pretend we didn't find it. Huh? And let's get another one. <laughs> you know? But that didn't happen. He went over and he got the bike. Yeah. He got it, but okay. So growing up in the mean streets of 40 Fort, having some fun, living life the sandlot way, I would say, kind of like us. Uh, so when I was coming up, and I think you're the same way, gangs were very much a part of culture, right? Like even if you go back, like there, we were reading The Outsiders in school, didn't read it, watched the movie a bunch, loved that, right? Pony Boy, Dallas. Johnny, Cherry, Soda Pop, Daryl, 2-Bit, Steve, Bob, Essie Hepton's classic novel comes to the screen. Capturing all the intensity, all the excitement, all the emotions of youth. The Outsiders, directed by Francis Coppola. And all right away, greasers. Greaser? Sure. Yeah, totally. Sure. No, no way you're a soch. You're not a soch. 
so but even then like you had like you know the east coast west coast and the bloods and the crips and all that stuff coming up so for us gangs were definitely something we want to be a part of right so when i was really young our gang was called the uh the bad boys on the block right and then we grew up from the bad boys on the block then we were the uh the bulldogs right and then after the Bulldogs, I think it was like the Creekside Kids. Then we went from the Creekside Kids to the Burrow Boys, right? Then after somewhere around there, we became the Confederation of Forestry Park Natives. So did you guys have a gang or anything that you would associate the the the, the hooligans of 40 Fort with? Yeah, we, so we didn't have like a, a name or a gang or anything like that, but we definitely rolled deep. And I know yeah. for a fact that the Green Lightning Posse was a 44 gang well before our time. Well before our time. Yeah. Now that's a fucking name. That's pretty the sweet. Green Lightning Posse. Yes. Damn. When you were at the jumps, at like when you were in the woods, like doing the bike jumps and stuff, did you ever see anything vicious happen? I saw a kid get fucked up one time. Yes. He just so like this. This is an incredible story. We knew this guy. Oh. Okay. He was going off uh, a jump and he hit his nutsack and oh! it was a pretty vi- pretty vicious injury. <gasps> yeah. that's, that's that's the worst injury. That is was, number one. Yes. I would rather lose my head than have that happen. So wait, he hit his he hit his he hit his fucking his ball his bag. Big. He hit the bag. What he hit it on like the seat or something? Yeah, off the seat. Oh, like and the front so- part. Yeah, it was a, a brutal, brutal injury. Oh, 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 God. Oh, God. Even thinking about that. Oh, did you know? I, I learned this. Here's an interesting fact. So talking to the guys at the bike shop, right? And uh, one thing he said was that the one guy who does like bike part sales came in. And when the pandemic happened, there was like a mad rush on bikes, right? And the guy who said it, he's like, he's been in the bike business since whatever, however long. He said he, he hasn't seen a rush like this, right? The only other time he saw a bike rush like this was when they had the gasoline thing in the 70s during the Carter administration. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But another thing he said is that, do you remember uh, bikes with banana seats? Oh, yeah. Banana seats are illegal. So... The seat itself was outlawed, and the reason was is because dudes were riding the bike. Say you hit a jump or something, and you're sliding right down that seat, and good night, Irene. You went from a baritone to a soprano right fucking away. I'll tell you that, pal. You know? You were hitting a high note after that one. You better believe it, buddy. Oh, man. Dude, brutal, brutal. So, you, you know, I know for us, like, say you like, there's no cell phones or anything back then. And instant messenger, instant messenger didn't come until later. But like, say in the summer, you wake up, right? You get on your bike and you're just riding around. Like, maybe you'll check a buddy's house. But if you see a house that has bikes parked out on the front lawn, it's just, you know, that's where the crew's at, right? No doubt, man. That was always the sign. That was a sign. <sighs> the bike scattered on the front yard. You knew that that's where your boys were at. Oh, miss those days, man. Miss those days. <laughs> Me too, buddy. Yeah. yeah, how about it? To be a kid. And you don't see that anymore, though. No biker games no. anymore. No, What's no, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I, you know, they use it for transportation, but I don't even actually know what they do anymore, to be honest with you. Yeah. I rarely I see mean, bikes. Not if it's not electric, you know? Jeez. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but you're not see- well it's not to be fair like you know creed remember in creed the movie creed they had like that scene where the kids were riding the bikes and the and the dirt bikes and all that stuff right they have that around here like you'll see some like bikes like that like kids being a pain in the ass you know but as far as like you know biker gangs like we had when we were kids they're non-existent they're non-existent like, everybody know? just gets dropped off now like we we would just leave in the morning and then that was it. Like we would yeah. have to like we had bells that rang on the church up the street from me at the end of my street, and that's what told you it was time to go home. They would run at like six o'clock and ten o'clock. So you'd either have to be a six o'clock or ten o'clock. That was it. Yeah, ours was when the street lights came on. That right. was ours. That was yeah. another good one. Yep, staple. that was staple. But dude, that's yeah. Like you would leave the house, right? Maybe you'd stop back for a meal or whatever you would eat at somebody's house or the pool or wherever the hell you went. Did you guys have a public pool? We did, yeah. We had a 44 pool. Oh, best thing ever. Yeah. Best thing Do you have a message or a story inside of you that you've been waiting to tell? Have you always dreamed of writing a book but are intimidated by the complexities of the book publishing world? Perhaps you want to use a book to launch your public speaking or consulting career. If so, please reach out to Scott and Bell Publishing, located right here in beautiful Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Scott and Bell Publishing handle all genres and authors with all experience levels. Scott and Bell Publishing gives authors 100% creative freedom and a higher royalty split. They can be found at www.skot. B-E-L-L dot com. That's www.s is in Sam, K is in Kite, O is in October, T is in Tom, B is in Boy, E is in Edward, L is in Larry, L is in Larry dot com. That's Scott and Bell Publishing, where the authors go. So, all right. So, let's stop reminiscing and let's get to the nitte gritte. So... Uh, when we were talking, you went to Catholic school originally, but you kicked that habit in third grade, right? Correct. Then you, then you went to public school. Then you went all the way through public school in what's the Wyoming Valley School District, I guess, right? Yeah, Wyoming Valley West. Yep. Cool. And then uh, so going through there, right, you did, you know, uh, elementary, middle school, high school, and then you basketball player. Am I correct? That's correct. Yep. High school basketball, middle school basketball, played basketball my whole life. So I'm not going to lie, right? Um, I feel like uh, each school, like there's different schools um, have like their bigger sports, right? Obviously, it's Pennsylvania. Football is massive, right? But outside of the inner city, basketball really isn't, well, maybe not king, but I feel like wrestling is a lot bigger at some schools than basketball would be. And I'm pretty sure from what I've heard, at least, I've never witnessed it, wrestling at wyoming valley west was a big deal right huge huge deal yeah we had some really good wrestlers come through here and then they went on to have great careers and and were well known and and feared Mm -hmm. and and it was awesome yeah we had some great wrestlers come through valley west so that being said you played basketball right and as being a former wrestler myself we always kind of shit on the basketball team right where like we were making fun of them and like you know, like we always kind of like, obviously like no one's getting fights, but we were always like, we thought we were the better winner sport. You know what I mean? And like, we would be have a good team and their team would suck and we would make fun of them and things like that. Is there anything like that going on at your school as well? Being like, you would be on the other end of that, 
right? Right, yeah. So we were the basketball players. We always, I mean, <clears throat> here the wrestlers have their own, like, space. So they only wrestle at the high school for their meets. So we didn't really get to see them a lot, but I'm sure 100% that they thought that wait, they wait, were wait. a lot tougher. Back it up. They have, like, their own, like, building? Yeah, so, like, the middle school here is where they would practice. They have, like, a wrestling room at the middle school, and we would always practice at the high school. So we didn't intermingle much with them. Did the middle school used to be the high school, like, years and years ago? Yeah, 100%. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Same thing around here. We had – we had – they had a wrestling room the year after I left at my school. But, okay. So, so, all right. So you guys weren't, like, you know, talking shit and all that stuff. Because I remember – we would have like morning practice before school. And I remember like the baseball team would start spring training and like our coach would open up the doors and we would like yell and sing stuff at the team saying like, you suck, you know, like all this stuff, like baseball's for bitches, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Right. So, but like our coach would openly like that same thing with basketball where like we would practice would be on the balcony and they would be in like the court and same thing. We would be like razzing them, you know, like during breaks and our coaches would be like all about it. You know, so all right, so you guys didn't have much interaction or hazing like that, but basketball at your school, big deal or what? Yeah, I mean it's a pretty big deal around here. People, people love basketball. We had some like Bob Sura came through. We had some, we had some really good players at Valley West. It was a big deal. Uh, we had some good rivalries with like Hazelton and Russ Kanzler. He was a good player. He ended up playing baseball, but he was a good basketball player too. So yeah, people loved it. Bishop O'Reilly won the state title. Uh, when I was in high school, so I, uh, it was pretty solid. I, yeah, so that's another thing. I do because I remember talking to like Mike and Burn and them saying how basketball is a big deal up there. So, but I have a feeling like in an area like that in the valley, uh, the valley itself is kind of like you're when you're in there, you're in there, right? Like you know what I mean. You're not leaving. Like there's only what two roads in and out, right? When you get into the valley. So, like, when you're there, you're there. So, the people that live there, I feel like a high school, main high school sport, like a basketball game, is a big attraction for the community. So, I'm assuming, like, you, you know, like, you guys would have a big presence at your basketball game. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you caught the right matchup on the right day, like, whether it was, like, the Wilkes-Barre inner city, any inner city schools playing or, like, big public schools or even, like, the Catholic schools, like, people that went to those schools – mostly stayed around here, built a life. So they would come and check it out, see how the team's doing and stuff like that. So, yeah, the community is definitely behind sports around here, no doubt about it. Oh, that's pretty cool. See, that's a cool thing. I think for football and stuff, and like at, at where I went, North Penn, it's kind of like the same thing. But so I know, and and uh, I learned this the hard way when I first met Byrne because uh, Byrne would say he's from 44, which is near Wilkes-Barre. And then automatically I would say, oh, my dad's from Scranton. You guys are, from, you know, Scranton, right? So I know that Wilkes-Barre and 44 kind of get shit on by people. I guess people always being like, oh, if you're from Wilkes-Barre and 44, then you must know everything about Scranton, right? You know what I mean? So I remember when Byrne, I would like first meeting Byrne, I brought up like, oh, yeah, he lives in Scranton. And Byrne would be like, no, no, I do not. I am not from Scranton. I'm from 44, Pennsylvania. Get it goddamn right. And I was like, whoa, all right, cool. So is that kind of the same thing? Would you say there's like a rivalry or it's just like, hey, you know, they're them, we're us, shove it? Yeah, I think I think a little bit of a rivalry. It's not that, like, so Wilkes-Barre and Scranton are probably like 
15, 20 minutes away. So it's not like you have a lot of interaction. Like you don't go, I don't go to Scranton very often at all. You know what I mean? I think it's probably similar to them. That's kind of like your own two things, but you have to go through that. You know, where are you from? Oh, Northeastern Pennsylvania, where? And you're like 44. Nobody has any idea. So then you're like, okay, Wilkes-Barre. And then maybe some people know. And then you have to go, if they don't know Wilkes-Barre, you're like, okay, Scranton. And then people mostly, at that point, they have a general idea. But you have to go through that. So I think that that burns, you know, that burns a little bit. Burns burns you right where you chafe, pal. (laughs) That's a real kick in the ganache, man. So, uh, Plus, too, like, I don't know. I've actually, my dad's from Scranton, and there's a place that we went there, Mayog Park, right? Mayog Park, maybe. And they have the falls there. Bro, not going to lie. For, like, I remember going there as a kid thinking Scranton was, like, a big place. And then I went there, like, years ago, and I'm like, this is a little-ass town. (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Scranton. But it's definitely not a thriving metropolis like I used to think it was. But... But, <laughs> but that being said, I mean, I'm from Lansdale. That's not a thriving metropolis either. But, the Electric okay. City, Scranton, the Electric City, man. Hey, I'm sure Scranton is more known for the office than anything else it'll ever be known for. Now. One one million percent. Yeah. So, which is good. Good. Good for them. Good for, <laughs> hey, good for Scranton. You know, why not? <laughs> good for Scranton. Sure. But that being, that being said, you are the descendant of coal miners. All Correct. of you. Right. Thus, thus, thus the same as myself and the coal miners themselves love to love to kick back a few. Right. So let's get to it. After high school. Right. You moved down to Temple and not originally you drank because you were underage. But once you turned of legal age to drink, you would consume a beverage here or there. Is that correct? That is true. Yes. Yes. Once I was of legal drinking age, I certainly consumed a few here or there. Yep, and we would consume some together at times. So, <laughs> after you're done high school basketball, uh, did you do anything in college, like sports or anything like that? Uh, the the closest I ever got to doing anything sports related, we had a, an intramural basketball team at Temple, yep. and yep. we actually we were we fared pretty well. But I got mono. Uh, we, to, we went all the way to the championships. It was like there was like an A group and a B group. We were obviously in the B group because the A yeah. group was like real awesome people. Um, yeah. So we were the B group, but yeah, we, we were pretty good. We made it all the way to the, to the championship game and I got mono. So I was unable to participate. Uh, God, kick me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Real how'd kick. you, get, how'd you get the mono though? Right. Yeah. They say it's the, right. con- the kissing disease, man. Yeah, that's know. what they say, pal. That's what the <laughs> out there, bud. So. Uh, real quick, at this time as well, I was still fighting around this time. And I remember, I believe you came to my fight in Conshohocken, where I lost. I, I did. <laughs> I, I did come to that. Yeah, I did see the – I, I saw the, the fight. Did you did lose, but it was a, it was a good – I remember you were – I remember I told you. I was like, listen, you got a couple good shots. And you were like, dude, don't tell me that. You were, you were, you were mad. You were mad. Yeah, that you I, mean, I was trying to yeah. be like, hey, man, you got some good shots. And it was a good fight. And you are like, no. I didn't do what I needed to. Yeah. Yeah. It's always frustrating. I mean, when it comes to like basketball and stuff and I mean, I guess wrestling is the same way. Cause it's like one-on-one, but fighting is when it's like a boxing match, it's, comp- it, I don't know. It is different, but in the same way, you're like, you, it, you just replay it all the time in your head and stuff, but either way. Sure. Well, but- I know how hard you work too. You know, you put in a ton of work and, and you know, you did a, so much to do it. And I'll tell you what, you were probably, a couple seconds from knocking that dude out too. You cleaned him with a right 
and it looked like. But I, I I see it in my dreams often, my man. I see it in my dreams where it's like I had the way the way I did it is that and like I remember after the fight we were getting interviewed and the interview because his face because I kind of wrecked him on that shot and like it busted like the bottom of his nose in his face and then the interview even says like this guy won and I'm like hey don't even get me started he did put me down on the canvas but I beat the eight count and got right back up so you know he didn't put me down that long. But it was because, yeah, either way. But, uh, okay. But, yeah, you're right. I had, I had had him against the ropes, and I bumped him with my left shoulder, and I came with the right. And every time, I'm like, God, I just should have kept going. But whatever. It was also, like, in the third round, you know, like, late in the fight. And I remember Steve Cunningham was there. I got to meet him. God, he's a stud. Love Steve Cunningham. Uh, okay. So, let's move on. All right? We got the school bullshit out of the way. I want to get to the nitty gritty. Why we're here? We're going over some work history. So, Let's do it. what was? And I'm not talking, you know, shoveling some snow or mowing your neighbor's lawn every fourth Friday for ten bucks. What was your first paying job? Real job? Yeah. So uh, my first paying job, I was a, uh, I think I was like a junior or senior in high school, and I started mm-hmm. working at the housing authority for the county. And I worked in. Uh, with, the, so this would be like the Wyoming Valley West Housing Authority. No, kind of? no this would be like the Luzerne County Housing Authority. Oh, the whole, oh, the whole county. Yeah. So that's oh, like, damn. you know, Wilkes Bear, Hazleton, everybody involved in. It's a pretty big county, massive. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So that's where I started. And I was the, um, I worked in the garage with the mechanic guy. Great name, Rich Chowola. What a name. <laughs> <laughs> what a name. Yes. Great. It was Rich Chola, his son, and me. That was the that was Rich Chola, nice Irish guy. <laughs> this guy was he, dude. He was he grinded. That guy yeah. grinded. He was awesome. He he worked super so, hard. He was miserable so, though. Uh, but those guys are the <laughs> best though. Like when you work when you're with someone like because honestly they're the best. I feel like I'm that way because I'm miserable. But what makes me the most angry is that I'm putting in this amount of work. If someone they might not be as good, not everyone's the same, but you need to put in the same amount of work. And if you don't, that's what pisses me off, right? If you're like trying to skate, you know, is that kind that of what exactly, he was like? That was exactly how he was, man. That was exactly how he was. This guy worked harder than anybody. I mean, they had probably like they had trucks from like the 1970s that this guy was like running, like keeping running. So oh, they, and, and they, they treated them horrendously. So they would yeah. bring him in and he would have to do all this stuff. So I respected him a ton. He, you know, once I worked with him and helped him out, he was always great to me. He loved me. He just hated like the other summer workers yeah. because they would trash his trucks that he worked all his, you know, so yeah, hard. And, he was, and, the, and they're lazy shits that <laughs> you're got off on the daddy's coattail. So, <laughs> all right, but hold on, let's backtrack a little. So how did you get this job? So it was basically like they were just looking for like dudes that were willing to come in. It was like we knew like, you know, Luzerne County, listen, there's like, you know, you know, people. Right. And it was all like my friends that were working there. And so we so that's how I so I got the job. I who do you contact to get a job at the housing authority of the county? Do you have to go through like the courthouse or something? I think that I think it's like a yeah. I mean, I think it's they have like an executive director, so they're their own. They they would be under that umbrella, but they're their own yeah. like 
part of the county. So it'd be like the courts, the housing authority, you know, the I wonder if they would fall else. under well, they would you weren't doing like parks or anything. It was all homes. So right. I wonder who you would fall under. Housing, I guess. Housing and development part of the Yeah, I think it's like the, its own its own thing. So right. but yeah, so I just applied for it and they were looking for people during the start. I think right. it started in like May. And he worked pretty much till September because that's when you have to like maintain all the, you know, cut the grass, maintain all the properties and do all that stuff. So, so OK, so these are uh, uh, government funded houses, right? Correct. Housing yeah. Yep. OK, so I've seen I've been to the illustrious and beautiful Wyoming Valley. Um, it is a valley. There are mountains on each side of it. Did were these like houses like in the backwoods? Because like from from what I understand, like you're in the bottom of the valley and it's like a bowl and it's almost like a stadium where in the bottom it's more densely populated. But then as you go up the bowl, it's less and less populated. Is that a correct assumption? Yeah, that's right. That'd be correct. Yep. So when you get to the tippy top of the bowl, you're running into some backwoods sons of guns living in some trailers on the side of a mountain. Was that the kind of <laughs> Is that the kind of schmutz you were dealing with? <laughs> so you would probably like, you would rarely get like some of that. Basically what it would be like, it would be, we have a very elderly community around here. So it'd be those high rises that would be like a um, hundred or so apartments oh. like that. So you'd have to like cut the grass for that and, That's and do bad. their maintenance. And, and then, but there was also like single houses too, that you would go to and they would be like, really trash rough shape yeah just brutal would you ever get like cars in the front lawn and stuff like that oh 100 100 percent, man yeah there, you <laughs> and saw then you're bringing stuff. that into the guy to take care of or what yeah we, yeah, we don't take care of those cars but you would just be like all right we gotta cut this guy's grasp so we gotta like tell him like he's gotta move his you know 1974 beat up Chevette yeah, <laughs> yeah. off, off the he, lawn so we can cut it what if he doesn't move it what like yeah, you just cut around and be like, whatever. Okay. But, it's not like, but it's not like a legal mandate that you could throw at them. Like, you're going to get a fine if you don't move the shit heap out of the front yard of this housing project. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, you might be able to do that. We just didn't care enough to actually, like, we'd be like, we're just going to, like, weed whack around and then call it a day, you know? Yeah, if you can live with it, we can live with it kind of thing. Exactly. I, what? Uh, so what kind of things were they teaching you at this job? So... Uh, mostly what I was did this, was, was this just the summer? It was just the summer. Yeah. It was just, okay. this was like a four months. And then I would go to okay. school, uh, that I would go to college and then I would re rinse and repeat every summer that I was at temple as well. Okay. So cool. sorry, so, sorry to interrupt. So what no, are you learning? So, so what I did was I would just help him like, I would like detail the cars, wash the cars, vacuum them out. Um, you know, if, if anything that he needed, I would vacuum his office. I would, uh, the worst thing that I ever had to do was it would be like a hundred degrees mid July and they'd have oh. to get the, the plows, the plows, oh. cause they did it for the winter. They would plow it. So these, oh. these plows were in just horrendous shape, rusted yeah. all the way through. Yeah. So it would give yeah. me a, a hand sander, goggles and a mask, and I would have to sand off all the rust. On these oh, plows. Oh my gosh. And, dude, I looked like I walked out. You talked about the coal mines earlier. It looked like I was working the mines. I was just black from all Jeez. the soot and all the rust. And then I would paint them, you know, paint them, prime them, and, and get them oh, back wait, out wait. there. 
when when you drive by like a municipal building and you see like the shit equipment sitting out there all rusted, that's not just old. That's shit that they use and they just clean them and refurbish them every season. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, shit. I thought that was just like an antique they kept around. <laughs> yeah, you would see that. You like these. There's no chance that this thing's usable. But yeah, thankfully I was around and I would I would do it, Matt. Then they could use them once I was done with them. Good hey, man, they put that goddamn, they put Nick Gill to the test. That shit's coming out smooth as a baby's ass. I'll tell you that. Yeah, and that's how you. That's how I gained the respect of this guy because, like, I wouldn't really complain or anything. And it was a give and take. Like, then some days, yeah. you know, if I was not feeling it, you know, he would let yeah. me buzz off for a while and he wouldn't bother me. But, you know, so yeah. I respected him. For that. No, that's good. Like, honestly, that's how I kind of like to do it where it's like, look, if I need a job done, I need to be able to depend on you. But if I don't have to be up your ass about doing the job, we're going to get along fine. If you're 20 questions every two seconds because you can't think for yourself, you're going to get on my fucking nerves. Tell you that right now. But, 100%. you know. 100%. You Listen, figure, that was that guy. Yeah. If you can figure it the fuck out and do it and it's done right, hey, if you mess up and I didn't tell you to do it this way, that's on me. Right? But if you can't, you know. That's nice. So, all right. So good. So you got some really good, like hands-on, like working with your hands kind of skills of like using the sander painting. And that's just one of the jobs. Did he teach you how like to rebuild any of the automobiles or anything like that? Or like, you know, changing oils or what were you doing there? Anything? So I was always curious about that stuff because I was like, this actually could be helpful, but it was, it was too much of like, it would have been too hard for him in such a short time to like teach me actually yeah. to like get under the hood yeah. and start like messing yeah. around. So I didn't really, uh, get too far into like the actual mechanical work. I was just more of just yeah. to help him, you know, do the small stuff while he, you know, focused on the big stuff. Is that something that you're interested in? Like, uh, in no, no, I just thought it would be cool <laughs> when I was like 18. I was like, if I know how to do this, maybe that Fucking would help right. me later on. No, but dude. No, I couldn't change is... an oil now. I have no, like I, I learned no actual, you know, dude, under I was, the hood stuff. I was talking about this uh, with one of our guests that we had on here and I quoted a comedian. His name's Robert Kelly. I don't know if you ever heard of him, Bobby Kelly, uh, but he's like a comedian from Boston. But he has a saying that they're not making men anymore. They're making dudes. So our like my buddy's dad is a master carpenter, right? He can do anything. He and my buddy learned from him and he can like he did. He he bought a house. He redid the whole damn thing. Did it all himself. Didn't have to do anything. Right. That's a fucking man. Right. If you or me, if something breaks or we need something done, we have to call a man to come do that, right? If they need us to do anything, it's like we got tape, you know? Like we're just, you know, that's it. I'm still, that was verbatim stolen from Robert Kelly, FYI. But he's an amazing dude. observation. Amazing observation yeah. and, and super true. This dude that I worked yeah. with, that guy was a man. That guy was, yeah. a, he was a man. I was Respect. a dude. <laughs> yeah. We're all dudes, bro. There's like, a few men left. I have a buddy who's an electrician. He's kind of a man, but kind of not, but is in a way he is. Like, yeah. So, all right. So, nice. So, uh, you're at the housing authority dealing with the abandoned cars and all that good stuff while you're going through uh, the later years of high school and all the way through college. So, you graduate college, right? What's the first job you get after? What's your major in? I uh, saw so I was a communications major with uh, uh, journalism, actual, like, I, I guess, focus, Minor? I guess how they say, okay. like a focus in journalism. 
Communications encompasses a lot of things when people say that that's their major. Right. It's like that Simpsons. (laughs) Communications, it's a phony major. Like, that's pretty much, you know, you have to, yeah. So I dialed in on, and what a a job by me. Like, Nick, way to read the room. Like, I'm going to be a sports writer. Like, oh, that business is dead. So (laughs) good job. Good job. I mean, (laughs) honestly, it's like, uh, you know, like I always, so I had a teacher who would say writing is just frozen speech, right? Like, you're just, it's writing is just what you would say. So you're very good verbally. And instead of writing it down, you could just say it, you know, right? Like that's not going anywhere. If anything, that is growing, you know? And I remember I would read your columns and your posts on Facebook, especially like when you were working, are we allowed to say you worked for Oakland when they were yeah, the Raiders? Raiders were, yep. Yeah. Sure. When you were doing that for Oakland, you did great stuff. You would cover every player and prospects, but like, you would have to cover them like the Super Bowl would end, right? They would have like the uh, the OTAs or whatever and and like the spring training and stuff, but then nothing. And you right. had to every day, right? Like that's a fucking challenge, being able to write an article about a team every day who at the time was not good. <laughs> I think they but, won like – when I, I think I covered for like four or five years. I think they won like 11 games. They were putrid. <laughs> Um, but it was, it was awesome experience, but you're right. Like those, those in like March, you're like, I have not like, what, what can I possibly say? Like they just yeah. finished the Super Bowl ended a month ago and the Raiders were three and 13. Like they're, <laughs> they're not good. People that read so, about the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, people are honestly, oh man, looking back, had we been smarter, if we would have started to record you verbalizing those that's like that's the start of it because if it's like a minute video people would listen to that right 100 percent, dude that's so true and that, and that's what it kind of progressed to and what i would yeah. do is i would just think of like creative ideas like when i was coming the raiders i'd be like all right it's april or like march or whatever so i'd do like a series i'd be like here's what they have at every single position so i'm just gonna break that down like is there a need at center like i'll go center right guard left guard like i'll just do every position Cause then, you know, you got something that day then at least, and you could yeah. span that out for like a month. Yeah. And how many, and also too, like if you did like, you would do like a player breakdown too sometimes. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Players do they have on the team? Yeah. Right. So, and that, so that covers, if it's one a day, that at least gets you a hundred days. Right. Cause what is it? Seven, a hundred players and coaches and all that. Right. And then so, you mix in like, then the draft would come. So then you'd have material for uh, another few weeks and stuff like that. So thankfully, you know, as long as you got creative, you can you can make it work. I, I wouldn't change doing that for anything. I had so yeah. much fun doing that. I used to shit on sports radio, right? But then, like, there would be times where I'm thinking, like, there is legit nothing to cover. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that job is tough, sports radio. Thank God yeah. we just talk to people who work. <laughs> right, yeah. If you're not in season trying to, like, scrap something together for, like, a, ugh, for, like three hours, brutal. Dude, ugh. I couldn't even, oh, my gosh. But hey, it is what it is. Still good. Still good. Some always some some things will be better than others. But so okay. So after you graduated, uh, so were you writing for the Raiders right after you graduated, or where were you writing? No. So my first stop was our our local newspaper in Wilkes Barre. Uh, I became a, a sports correspondent. So I would go out and mostly it was like football, like Friday night football. There'd be like ten games. You know, they have only a staff of like seven people. So they needed people to help them out, go to the games and, uh, you know, write a story, keep the stats and all that. So that's that was my first 
That was my first job. Right when I got done, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to put this into practice. And when I went for my interview, this is great. This guy, I met with the editor and, he, and I'm like, yeah, I'm interested in doing this. I'd love to do it. I have a really good, you know, background in, in journalism. You know, I just graduated, love an opportunity yeah. to do it. So he was like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Sounds great. He's like, but so the time comes first game, um, this guy calls me. He's like, I just want you to know that the last guy that did this quit at halftime. <laughs> I guess he got like, freaked out and he got overwhelmed and he bailed at half. So my what? first game, I got to halftime and I called this my editor and I was like, listen, man, I made it to halftime. So <laughs> did better than the other guy. Yeah. But it was Jesus. great. I loved it. I loved it, man. You'd go there, um, you know, you'd, you'd it's, it's high school, so it's not like college or, or pro. Yeah. Like you, you take all your own yeah. stats. I used to have a running diary. Yeah. Like I cover football. You know, I'd go first and ten at the thirty-five, number thirty-four for five yards, second and five at the forty, and I would keep the running diary the whole time. Oh, I would do all okay. my stats. So it was so a lot what, of work. That's that's what I'm interested in. So what is the formula that you would use to cover? So you have like a notebook, right? Right. So, so what you have on one side, you'll put the one team and the other side, you'll put the other, or you'll just say like, you know, let's say it's Wyoming Valley's possession offense bloom. And you would say like, would you just record the offense or you like, I guess if there was a defensive, like they made a defensive play, you would record a sack for a loss or something like that. Right. Or how would you do it? I would have like a sheet that they would make for us, which would be like passing, rushing, uh, receiving. Oh, so you would okay. write the, the, the number and the kid's name in there. And then you would, I would keep a running diary of every play that happened. So first down, second down, third down, if there was an interception, you know, I would keep yeah. that in my notes and then I would tally it all. I tally it at halftime and then I would tally it at the end of the game so I could put together the box score, but I would literally record every single play that happened. Dude, how pissed were you then if you're like writing this stuff? And I'm assuming, I don't know if you're like me, but I always start too big with writing and then I run out of space <laughs> at the end, right? So how pissed were you if you write down, okay, second and five, uh, rush for five yards and you wrote it down and then you see, oh, this fucker threw a flag on there. And now I got to erase it and cross it out and all that. Like must have drove you nuts, right? Super frustrating. You, that'd be super frustrating. And then the other thing would always be like, <clears throat> you'd get teams that would have like, white jerseys and yellow numbers and it would be like raining you're like i have no oh, idea i have zero idea on. zero yeah. idea who just ran that football no idea did, no. did you ever see like like i i remember uh so one of my best buddies his dad owns a production company and he got the contract to to tape uh the pcl which is the philadelphia catholic league in their football right so he would tape the pcl and i remember i worked a couple games and one of them you like it, you would see like there's obviously a size difference in some of these kids and like you would see a kid who might be smaller but he's quick right and every once in a while you see like a smaller quick kid that was just like a missile that would like knock the shit out of some big ass kid that was just like some fucking doofus you know what i mean did you ever see any like great hits or anything like i'm sure you saw some great shit right oh yeah man there was always some some fun stuff so i was in a good spot where like around here like we would get like you know some there'd be some d1 fanfare so like i would go to to games and cover them and you get to see like guys that went to like oklahoma or penn state or yukon oh, so like there was and then then you would see like the dudes that you were talking about that were just like 
awesome high school players, undersized, you know, yeah. just the dudes that grinded. And, you yeah. know, they would always, I mean, if you were watching them, you know, they would, they would stand out. You, you, they didn't have the height and the, right. like, they, they didn't, didn't have need, the measurables yeah. to ever do anything, but they were, you know, they were excellent high school players. Uh, dude, I remember, so I think it was West Catholic versus Roman, right? And it was like this thing it was called like the Wildwood Bowl or something like that, where they would play a game down in Wildwood. And I remember there was this kid. It was like this white dude who was like tree trunk legs. He's probably like five, five. Right. And he was just some and like he was leading with his head and he was just like a freaking tank. He played linebacker. He was smoking dudes. Right. Like just crushing them. But I was like, it sucks. Like this kid's five, 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 six, a tank, legs the size of Sequoia's, you know, and he's out there just smoking dudes that are like, you know, big and whatever. But it sucks. Like this guy will never move on to the next level just because of his size. Where it's like, you know what I mean? Like if he, I mean, if he was faster, but still five, six, five, seven, you're not, it's not doing it, man. Like I remember I met like Lito Shepard and Sheldon Brown. And they were both short. I'm like five, ten and a quarter, and they were both a little shorter than me. But they were all also like ultra athletic and faster than the wind blows. And Sheldon Brown was fucking incredible. But like you know, like those guys are ultra athletic, but they weren't like like they no way in in the, and they knew in their minds there was no way they could ever play linebacker. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like to see like those kind of kids like Shake actually, and he's you know too modest to say it. But Shake was actually one of those kids where he's Shake's like five seven, five eight, and he was a starting linebacker and captain of his football team. And he went to North Penn, which is a like a really good football school. So he was one of those kids out there, like smart, knew the game, but also could like lay a hit. You know what I mean? All right. So you're covering these guys. If you had like a special player that you knew, like this is D one quality talent, were you like? Did you have like a different way you would record him or would you record him separately or what would you do? Yeah. So, so what I would do is at the end of those games, like he would be the first person he or she would be the first people that I would immediately get their stats together. Like I need to know, Uh, you know, how many yards, how many touchdowns this person had um, or how, whatever, you know, points, whatever it was, whatever the case may have been in whatever sport it was. So yeah, that would always be like, and then that would be your first time, like you would, right when the game ends, that's the person you're going to for the quote. Like that's the yeah. first person that you want to talk to, get their really? feelings on the game. So that that would always, I'd always do the coach, and I was always try to do whoever had like whoever was the standout in the game. Yeah, like those were the two people that you always wanted for your article. And you're seeing kids like five touchdowns, four hundred yards. Oh yeah, right. really? No, no, no. That's not like I think probably would say yeah, people would go for like 305 touchdowns, something like that. Jesus. Cause there's like, to be fair, there's sometimes where it's like a kid's playing, uh, you know, like they're playing, uh, like, you know, like some shit school, you know what I mean? And like, they have an all-star on this team and the team's got a decent line or whatever. And they just beat the pants off of this team. And this kid just goes off like those games. You're just like, feel bad for the other team. You know what I mean? Did you ever too like like one of the things down here, and I don't know if they still have it down in Lansdale, they used to in like Montgomery County, they used to have this thing called the Day of the Hog, where they would get like all the top offensive and defensive linemen in the county 
and they would have them like do different contests, like flip tires and bench press and like hammer throw, I think. And like a pie eating contest, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if, but did you ever interview? Like, I know like you always see like the, you know, running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, like all those guys. Did you ever get any like D one linemen coming through that you would try to grab and stuff like that? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, there, we had a couple, we had a, I think we had a kid go to Florida that I was around. Like we had, yeah, yeah there some, was yeah. some beefcakes that were doing, doing some work. You got some big hosses up there, man. You got some barrel chested <laughs> sons of coal miners up there. I always remember Mer, or uh, burn tells a story about Danny Gallagher's brother. Who's like a freaking monster apparently. Right. Went play. He played at Penn state. <laughs> Could you imagine? That's one of the things, like, I would love to get, like, 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 oh, gosh, like, to be, like, in a D1, like, major program like that, like, the stories that, like, the, the, the royalty they get treated like and the stories they must get, I would love to, like, just be there for, like, a week and see what it's like, <laughs> you know? Just getting treated so well, man, like, everything, they're spending millions and millions of dollars on, you know, the facilities and, yeah, it's just, it's got to be so and, sweet. And not on the players, tell you no. that. They're, like they they might spend a million dollars on the players, but they're not paying them a million. You know, <laughs> right. at least that not not on the books. All right, yeah. <laughs> so let's let's keep it going. So uh, it says here when you were writing and and covering sports, and that was for. Uh, can we say the name of the paper? Yeah, the Citizens Voice was the paper in Wilkes-Barre. Very cool. So. Uh, we're, so you, the next job I have here, was this at the same time you're at the citizen's voice or was this after? So it was after. Okay. So, and I'm very interested to hear about this. Uh, were you living in Philly at the time? Correct. Because yep. this year you were, you worked for UPS at the airport. Is that correct? Correct. So yeah, I moved, uh, ba- back to Philly and I was doing the Raiders thing that we were talking about before. So I was writing for the blog, um, yep. but it takes, you know, it obviously takes some time to monetize that. So I had to pick up some extra, extra work. So I got a job at UPS at the airport loading oh. packages, like huge pallets of packages onto the 747. And I am not a Heights guy, not a Heights guy. And we Ugh. have to like take this like elevator type thing up, to like go to the plane and oh, I hated it so much, man. I used to hug that rail for dear life. Really? So wait, wait, wait. So where, wait, so you're at the airport. Were you like loading planes? Yeah. So there would be like probably like seven, six or seven people in every, like you'd have a group of people in your, in your, your, your gang there. And you would just yeah. drive around in like a, a old UPS truck that was pimped <laughs> out to take you around the airport. So you would just go from one plane to the other. The, they would bring these pads. They looked like, like snow globes, but they were plastic and they were huge. Yeah. And that's what yeah. they packed all the packages into. So they would take them over. They'd bring them on this elevator. They'd take them all the way up to the opening in the plane. You'd pull it off and you'd load it up. I think it was like 24 or 25 pallets per plane. And they were Oh everywhere. my gosh. Yep, and Dude. it was like December. It was cold. I mean, uh, it was it was definitely one of those. The, air, where you were, the airport yeah. seems like uh, the airport seems like one of those places where it's very, very particular to work at. 
right? You, you right. have to pass all kinds of background checks and go through all kinds of security checkpoints just to get there. I think we started at like four or five o'clock in the morning. So you'd be getting up at like two thirty, getting oh. to the airport, going through your security checks, um, just to get just to go to work then. How how many days a week did you work there? Uh five it was five days a week. And then sometimes once it got toward like the like the peak season, which would be like around the holidays and Thanksgiving and stuff yeah. like that, then you would do like twelve hour days, so like four air four AM to four PM, uh maybe oh. six days a week. It was a grinder, oh. man. It was an absolute Dude. grinder. That's brutal. I bet your shoulders got some fucking meat on them from lifting all that shit, huh? It was probably like one of the best shapes I've ever been in. It was literally just pushing and pulling and lifting and trying to be as strong as you could. And you felt like a beast when you push something yeah. onto like and you're yeah. like, oh man, I am a unit. Yeah. <laughs> Getting that leg strength in. I always thought like, oh man, your forearm, everything. Gosh, that, I remember uh, I was unemployed for uh, like I was looking for jobs and uh, me, my wife had taken me to UPS to be like an overnight. It was like a UPS facility where they stocked trucks overnight. Right. And like the reason people wanted this job and it was a big job for like ex cons and stuff like that is because it was part time, but you got full time benefits. Right. Cause it was like, I think it was like 11 PM to 4 AM shift or 3 AM shift or something like that. But you're in there and you're legit like stocking trucks. And they were telling you like, dude, this is a workout. Like you're going to come here. You're going to sweat. Like it is tough. It is a physically demanding job. And like the guy gave us the runaround. It was like a group of guys. He, this dude gave us a runaround of what's going on. And he's like, look, I'm going to tell you now, this is what it is. And this is how it's going to go. And if you're not in it, just no harm, no foul. But this is what it's going to be. And like three people are like, yeah, this ain't for me. And just left, <laughs> you know, and like he gave us like the tour. And I'm like, this is like, no way. No, like that's a tough, tough gig, man. Stocking trucks and loading trucks is a tough gig. Did you have and like, were you stocking like just like, what was it like food and stuff or like what? Any, like any package that was sent through there that had to go, I think they would go to like Germany. Like they, they air, like they had like their own like spot on the airport, which would just be their planes. So they probably like, yeah. you know, let's say they, you know, 20 planes come in that day, you know, so you yeah. have to load them up and, it was it was wild, man. It was a wild ride, dude. dude. But it's certainly demanding. Certainly demanding. You're right, and and they they didn't. I and mean, to their credit, they were like, "Listen, this is what it is. Like, it's gonna be yeah. tough." Yeah. Jesus. Well, I mean, you know, I, I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes, like I, duh, I don't know. I've bartended for so long, and there's so many times bartending that, I'm, like, I would think to myself, like, my God, I just want a job where I can sit down because my knees are killing me, and like all this stuff. And then, uh, you know, now that I'm at a job where like, I, you know, working in an office where I do sit down, it's like, man, I kind of miss those manual labor jobs. You know what I mean? So it's, you know, it's always it always the other side of the pillow seems cooler. You know what I'm saying? But, and that's just one of those things with jobs is like you just you take what you can from them. You know, like I got to meet a lot of cool people. It was hard work. But you know what? It always teaches you something. There's something that you could take away from that as you move forward, you were certainly like, listen, I'm not, I can't do this forever. Yeah. That would, that yeah. would be done, but you take <laughs> what you can from it and you move on and you, you know, you, you think about it now. And I was like, actually, you know, I remember it somewhat fondly. I know like yeah. it was 
brutal at the time, but now that you've been through that, you know, it makes you a better person. Makes you how'd you like to handle how'd you how'd you like waking up early? Yeah, so I would go to bed at like seven PM, dude. I never made yeah. it. It was like plus like we were talking about, like it was grueling. So like I would come yeah. home, eat, and that was like it was curtains for me. Uh, I would yeah. so once you adjusted to it, it wasn't too bad. Um, but yeah, it, there's definitely like those cold winter mornings, at, like 3 a.m., where you're like brushing your car off at 2:30. Oh. Like, want to go today? Jesus, was oh my gosh, man! I wake up. I usually am up at like a like I try to be at least knock on wood. Try to get up at like four ish. And dude, it is in the summer. It's definitely a lot easier. But now, like the winter time, especially you like. Like you're probably waking up first thing you're doing is coffee, right? Like after you like piss and all that stuff. But like, yeah, coffee is number one right away. Were you I a big coffee? coffee? I don't drink any coffee. What the? This is all, this is all natural, Bill. the? Still no coffee? Still, no coffee. Oh my god, dude! I'll tell you what. Never, never drank coffee before in my life. Then I started dating a European, and I think I have it injected in my veins now. It's like coffee city. They don't fuck around when it comes to coffee. People swear by me. I should probably like, I, I never liked it, but I also haven't tried. I don't think I've tried in like 10 years. So I should probably give it another yeah. whirl. Dude, dude, you'll find your niche. I'm a big fan of like, uh, like I'll go like, all right, Starbucks, for instance, do like a latte, you know, I do right. like a nice iced latte with soy. Or if I'm feeling real, when I used to be wanted to get that buzz from it, I would get, I think it was called a red eye where it was a coffee with, I think it's either three or four shots of espresso in it. There you yeah. go. That'll get the engines going. That's fucking, that puts some hair on your ass, boy. <laughs> now, too, now the last few times, or for a while, too, I was getting nitro, the nitro cold brew. That shit, they're only allowed to sell you, like, two of those a day legally. You know, <laughs> like, they ain't messing around. Nitro cold brews, that shit puts a pep in your step and your ass in the john. You know what I mean? I so... All right. So after UPS, where do we go after that? So when I was at UPS, I was also doing the Raiders thing, which was probably that was probably the coolest job I've I've ever had, other than the one so that wait. I have now. So Real that was quick. like simultaneously happening. Raiders, UPS was simultaneously happening. So hold on. So just so our listeners know how big your dick is. You were waking up at 3 a.m. to be at work, or you're waking up at 2.30? Yeah, like 2.30, 3 o'clock to get there to, for, at 4. So 2.30, 3 o'clock to drive from, you were living near Temple at this time, to drive near from near Temple down to the Philadelphia International Airport to Correct. work from 4 in the morning until sometimes 4 in the afternoon, right? Right. And then... You would come home, then you would have to write a blog for the Oakland Raiders, and then you would eat probably, and then go to sleep. Is that correct? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a Gruden grinder, man. John Gruden grinder, so, right there. And that was five days a week. Well, seven days for the Raiders, but five days for UPS. Correct. Yeah. So I would, yep, exactly like you described it. I would, then I would come home, you know, get something to eat. And then I would be like, all right, I got to step up, see what the Raiders are up to today. I would grind out an article or two. Um, And it was, I I think though you had like, I think it was like Sundays and Mondays off. So it actually worked out okay schedule wise because I could watch the Raiders on Sunday 
and then like report about the game and stuff like that. Yeah. And you kind of have a nice game day too, right? Like right, relax, day. hang out. Nice. That's cool. Right. I mean, yeah, I had a couple game days with you. That's sure. fun. Of course, man. Those were always those those football Sundays, man, were the best. They're the best. Dude, I I really do miss like those times where like when we were in our 20s and we would hang out and party and like just drinking and fucking joking around and like just having a good old time, man. Like I cannot tell you like how much like I honestly now, man, I don't like I can't drink, you know, like I can, but it's like it beats the shit out of me every time I do. And I fucking hate it because I used to love 100%, it. Yeah, you know? 100%. Dude, the, you're never going to get like we'll never get those back where we were all kind of in the same spot in life, all just hanging out, BS in watching yeah. drinking joking like dude it was so much fun it was so much yeah. fun dude the best and then uh man you know like romantically in my mind i always think like man how how nice would it be to be a drunk you know what i mean like <laughs> to be like you know we're like a functioning drunk you know but in my mind i'm like oh, i can't do it well not at least until my daughter's like 20 but you know <laughs> <laughs> all right so after UPS busting your balls at UPS and then busting your ass on the Raiders, right? What's yeah. after that? So just so I took this Raiders thing a little bit further than that. So I started like okay. I, I I dumped UPS and I was like I can't you know this is too much. So I started doing okay. How long did you last there? I think I was like, probably like a couple years. You know? No shit. Yeah, I think I did it for like yeah. a, two years maybe. Dude, yeah. it's like signing a fucking military contract. Jesus right. Christ. Now, when it wasn't busy, though, it was nice. I was there from like 6 a.m. to like, you know, noon or something. And I was out. Okay. So that You're wasn't too yeah, yeah, so I was nooning it up. Yeah. So then I took the Raiders thing. And that, that was one of the most fun I've ever had. So I, I got – I remember uh, I started getting some momentum with it. You know, the Raiders were really bad. But I started to build up like a decent following with that. So I got a call one time. And it was like a Honolulu, Hawaii area code. And I was like, Whoa, Whoa. I'm gonna tell Mark So I yeah. pick it up, and this guy's like, Hey, I'm the producer from ESPN Radio, the Bobby Curran show, and I want to have you on as a guest to talk oh. about the Raiders. All right. So that made it, that was like one of the coolest things I've ever done. So I went and did a lot live segment with him. I remember doing like the math because it was such a ridiculous time difference. I was in Philadelphia and they were airing the show. And it took me like 10 minutes to figure out actually what time I was supposed to be on this show. It's so like a six hour time difference, but oh. I didn't know which way or whatever. So I know that was a disaster. <laughs> But I finally figured it out. And then I, I got on the show and he peppered me with a bunch of questions. But thankfully, I was pretty like I was really nervous to start. But I like once you get into it, you know, I, I did the, the work, you know, I'd done the work. I knew what I was talking about as far as the Raiders were concerned. So I did that. And then I did it. Uh, then he called me back and I did it one more time. So I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. That was as cool. Like Dude, that was like the that's, pinnacle. That's fucking badass, man. Like. Shit like that, like, there's, like, different things, like, I don't know, like, you know, like, like everyone has their travels and stuff, but, like, the fact that you worked, so, I saw you, man, and you, and I would read your material, and you would do so, like, good work on the blog, and to get noticed by that, by one of your peers on a major radio show, dude, I'm fucking, I was, I remember hearing that, I was like, dude, fucking, thank God, like, so proud of this guy, like, what an accomplishment, man, you know, and I know it's, like, yeah, yeah, you're not fucking Todd McShay, but dude, you were in it, man. You were like, 
it almost solidified you like, yeah, I'm a real sports analyst. Like, fuck yeah, man. Like I was on ESPN. You can go fucking suck a dick, whatever you say. I fucking, I put in the time. I did the work because everyone fucking hates, man. Everyone fucking hates. Like when you're saying like, oh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a blog for the Oakland Raiders. Like people like, like obviously like our, your boys and stuff like, dude, that's fucking great. We're going to support. But then other people you say like, they'll just fucking, they hate right away. Cause they're like, they're jealous or whatever. You know what I mean? And like, they almost don't want to, don't want to like, they almost don't want to solidify you as that. Like you are a fucking sports analyst. You're legit being paid to fucking analyze sports. Right. And like when you're doing it for Oakland, you know what I mean? Like you can say you were a writer for the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. And people be like, oh, okay, whatever. And then you can say like, no, I was also a sports analyst on ESPN. So go. And I was brought in as a specialist for the Oakland Raiders on ESPN. So fuck you. I'm the real deal. You know what I mean? Like, good. I was so fucking, I remember that. And I was like, that's fucking right, man. Way to fucking go. You know, so proud of you for that, man. And that shit, like, fuck, fuck, fuck all those people who said that, you know, oh, he's just, a, you know, whatever. I don't know if anyone even said that. No one ever said that to me, but fuck them. <laughs> all right. So awesome, man. Dude, that's great. You're all, yeah, I remember that now. Now that you say it, God, dude, when was that? 2013, 2014? Yeah, I think it was like, I think I did it from like, it was had to been like, yeah, like 2011 to like the 2014, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, I think I was by so fast anymore. But I remember when I started, man, dude, like, no, like, I had built up everything, like, Twitter, Facebook, like, Google Plus. I was posting stuff on Google Plus. Like, I was doing it all, man, like, articles and everything. And I, I think I made, like, a penny my first month, like, because it was like, a, like, how many times people came to your site and stuff like that. I think they actually cut me, like, a direct deposit for one set. Oh, and I was God. like, oh, boy, this is going to be tough. But I, you yeah. know, that's that's part of life though you just grind it out you try to do your best and and to get like recognized like that and first of all thank you so much for saying all that stuff that's why you're the best and i love you hey man right back Um, at you brother but yeah that was definitely one of those times where i was like man that all that hard work and just not just saying like f it and being like that actually worked out now there's times that it hasn't but that was one that did people that people don't realize like people that don't ever fucking try shit don't realize like how much you have to fight yourself for second guessing. You know what I mean? Like I remember when I was fighting, right. And like people like, I like, you know, like I would always be like, what, like it comes like, obviously doubt creeps in your mind. You know what I mean? And you just have to say, you know, go shove it. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't like, I don't fucking care what you're saying, the doubt and all that stuff. Like you're just like, you have to do it for your reasons, obviously. But my my thought was, you know, like the, the the doubt that creeps in of like you're trying something and people right away are just fucking hating and like the being able to say go fuck yourself to them that's the best thing ever, you know, because you fucking stuck to your guns, you knew your worth, and hey, dude, fucking hey man, there's sometimes you swing and you miss, but like only only like one of the things they'll say in fighting, right? If you lose a fight people will tell you, Hey man, only 1% of the population will ever do what you did. Same thing with you, man. There's only so many people that have ever been on ESPN as a fucking sports analyst. You know what I'm saying? So like no one can take that away from you. And you fucking, the other thing is no one gave it to you either. You're the fucking sword of the morning. You're a once in a generation talent and you fucking earned it too. tell you that right now. I was there. You fucking earned it. So dude, proud of you, man. So, all right. So enough smoking your fat cock. Let's keep moving.
Uh, okay, so we're coming. So here's a term I learned uh, from an office that we are coming to the top of time, but we're not there yet. We still have plenty of time. So uh, after UPS, after killing it on ESPN and for the Oakland Raiders, what was your next job? Yeah, so I came back briefly. So I moved out of Philly, just uh-huh. you know, I was getting, you know, it was just too much. Needed to kind of settle down. That, that was just too hard of a lifestyle. What, to was live. the, what was the street that you guys lived on? It was on uh, 15th Street. It was right by Temple. Was, the address was yeah. 1534. I think it was like 13th Street or something like that. So pe- but, people don't realize that in Philadelphia, Broad Street is the number one street in right. Philadelphia. Broad Street. That's also 14th Street. Correct. Right. Yep. So that's the so, one that runs all the way through the whole city. Yeah. Right down that's the one like the stadiums are on, city halls on, temples on, like yep. all that's the number one street. So you lived on 15th Street, which is so one 13th, block. Yeah. Off. One, yeah. One okay. block off of that, right by Temple. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but it was, it was great. I mean, we had super ton of fun there, but it was just like I needed to, you know, start a career. And, and, you know, I was working on right that stuff. Life, yeah. Though. Right. And I was like, all right, now it's time to, you know, get in there and, and figure out what I actually want to do. I've learned a lot from these jobs that I've had, but I can't, you know, I got, I'm trying to, I'll grind, but I'd like to <clears throat> do it a little bit less if I can, right. if I can. But you also, yeah, you wanted to give yourself a fair shake in a way. Yeah, you like- wanna, yeah exactly. You want to do something that you can do for the rest of your life at that point. So I went back uh, to 44 PA. Into uh, the free, home of the brave. Yep, so got back to the citizen's voice just so I can continue to write and you know earn a couple yeah. bucks and and do what yeah. I always love to do. Love always love to write about sports. So I, how do you, how do you get that. paid for that? So what is the pay like? Are you on yeah. salary? What, right. How does it work? It was like per article. You get paid for per okay. per article. But I would work like I would do like, and which helps me tremendously to this day. I would do every sport: football, basketball, nice. volleyball, soccer, yeah. field hockey lacrosse like i would do anything that they needed me to cover i would do so i did that went back to uh 44 went back to sports writing there and then um were you building when you're like covering these sports are you building relationships with people while covering these sports 100 percent, huge part of it that's a great that's a really good question because that's you you you're doing it in the same area and i did it for like probably like all combined uh probably like eight years or something like that. So at that point, you know, I know the coaches, I know, you know, I know the players, I know pretty much know, you know, I know this, you get to know the school district cause you're there covering games there every week. You know what I mean? You start to get a lot of networking in and, you know, find people that are important and, and that's a huge part yeah. of it. And, yeah. and so that was, that was a huge help, but nothing was, yeah. nothing was more beneficial than doing as much a diverse sports as you could, because then this opportunity came up to become an athletic director. And I, I went and got the interview and and the biggest selling point that I had was that I know, like some people know football, somebody who's a football coach, somebody who's a basketball coach. I know every sport that we play, I've been and covered and and have a somewhat. And you've been to all the fields and you've been to all the stadiums. So, okay. So let's get to that. So right now, you are an athletic director for a school district. We won't say the school district, but so right now, so what you're doing is, and people don't realize how much, like what, so here's a question. And I always ask this to, so for boxing, I coach boxing, right? 
But the thing is, and I've heard this from a lot of people, is that the worst thing about coaching isn't the kids, it's the parents, right? But for boxing, it's different because the parents can't say shit to me because they don't fucking know. <laughs> you know, like, it's not like the parents were in, you know, playing uh, JV boxing in high school. You know what I mean? Like, they, they don't fucking, you know, like, uh, it, it's fucking my show. Like, obviously, I'm not hurting any kids and whatever like that, but I'm just saying, like, you know, it's no parents going to tell me that I ran the wrong scheme on that play. You know what I'm saying? Right. So for you, though, as an athletic director, what is like what is worse, the parents or the kids in that aspect? Uh, it, it's definitely it's definitely the, the parents are tough because I think in, in certain sports, like say, like swimming or track or something like that, like the proof's in the pudding. Like you're either faster, like they take the times, like you're faster. Yep. So you're, yep. you've, it's hard to argue with that, but in any other sport where you can get, you know, playing time, basketball, football, you know, uh -huh. all that things. Um, now it doesn't affect me as much as it would a coach. Now, like once they get, like, they'll usually go to the coach first, he'll come to me, we'll talk it out when, and yeah. they do call me certainly, but it's definitely would be much harder um, on the coaches than it is for me, but it, it can be, it can be tough. Cause when it comes to, you know, kids and people's kids, they want the best for them. And if they uh, don't feel like they're getting that opportunity, you know, they, yeah. they can get upset. And they look for someone to blame and you're one of the people that can. Sure. Blame. Yeah, no doubt. Now I, I, I feel like I have a pretty good relationship with them. I, I'm, I try to do my best to be as open and available as I can. And so if you do have a problem, I'm not going to shy away from you. You can call me, yeah. you can come talk yeah. to me at the game. Like, I might not have the the answer the or the answer, answer you're you looking for, but you know I'm at least available to, to talk it out. Plus, too, like and, and like if you're fair, like I remember my uncle. Uh, my uncle had he had done some some time, and we were talking about criminal activities, and he was pretty high up in a criminal organization. But he would always say that the the people the the best and the worst people to deal with are the Russians, but they're the best because they treat it as a business. Everything is straight up and down. And I feel in most scenarios, right? If, you, if they don't like the answer, they don't like the answer. But if you're honest and straight up and down with them and be like, look, this is what it is. This is how it is. And this is why. And people like, you know, if they're mad about it, they're mad about it. But if you gave them the straight answer, then that's it, right? Like they can't be... Like, if you're fucking lying to them, I would be more like, yeah, okay, I can get over like, okay, if this is what it is, then if something has to fix it, then whatever, right? But if you're lying to me and like presenting false hope and, and like backtracking, that is, th that's the other thing. So I feel like knowing you, you're more of like this fucking let's, let's get, let's get to it. Like straight up and down. What is it? What's the deal? Let's get it done. No lingering bullshit. Is that right? let's figure it out. You know, what, what can we do here to, to help you? And what, you know, how can I answer your questions and stuff like that? I'm always available for that. And, and you're exactly right. You have to be direct. Cause you know, if you start blowing smoke, then that benefits nobody. Then they don't know what they need to do to get better. And how, how do they get like, that's why you bring in the coaches. Like they can tell them, this is what you need to do to get better. Like you yeah. may, these are maybe a few things that, you know, you, you do these things. Well, you do the, you don't do these things as well. These are the things you need to do to get better. If you can do that and you show me that you're committed and you do and you do improve those things, then, you know, that's how you earn your that's how you earn your playing time. Right? How, how, how long were you athletic director of a school district before COVID hit? Uh, 
two. So I, I, I was an assistant for a year and then I was a two full years, my third full year. So it has been Jesus. a nightmare. Yeah. It's been a nightmare. Oh my. So you're kind of like, so first year, so you were an assistant, then you had your first year where you're dipping your toe in second year. You're kind of getting your shit going and then right. boom, right at yeah. the end of your second year, you're kicked right in the schwanz. That's a, that's oh. a perfect way to do it. Like your first year, there's no blueprint for this. Like, thankfully I got to work with a guy that was before me. He was great. He was there for like 40 some yeah. years and he, he was yeah. a huge benefit to me, but then, you know, that, that takes you so far and then you're doing it on your own and you learn your own yeah. way and you learn what works for you. And then the second year you're starting to feel more comfortable. You know, you you feel like, okay, I, this is a role I'm, I'm in it now. I'm, I'm learning so much. I'm learning how to yeah. figure this out. And then something like that, that like some like COVID hits and you're just like, well, throw out the playbook. Cause this is an absolute yeah. disaster. Dude, baptism, baptism under fire, man. That's really what you got. So real quick, let's break down. What are like the responsibilities of the athletic director? Can you kind of sum it up? Yeah. So, so I, you know, I, I deal with all the coaches. I evaluate the coaches. Um, I'm, I'm here for for them for any questions that they have. That's a that's. Are you involved in like the hiring and firing of the coaches? Uh, I do. I am on like the committee. If we fire, you know, or if we hired somebody, usually the I'm not involved in firing them. I evaluate them, so that could be part yeah. of the process that maybe they sure. haven't held up there to the bargain. But I don't fire yeah. anybody, and then usually I'm part of the uh, committee um, that you know does the interviews for hiring people. Yep. So, so that's part of it. And then okay. obviously dealing with the coaches, dealing with, uh, you know, your administrative roles, getting transportation, um, mm. building a schedule, you yeah. know, making sure that you have places to practice and you work with a lot of, like, I'm really lucky. I work with a lot of really awesome coaches. I love the kids that here where I work. They're great kids. They remind me so much of me when I was yeah. younger, you know, yeah. so I, they're, they're easy to root for and they're easy to get behind. So, yeah. Um, and there, there's a million things, man. My day is never, my day is really never the same. Things come up. So you're fielding calls. You're working with a lot of different people, feed, you know, people that maintain the fields, the the coaches, yeah. the parents, the kids, you know. Making sure the rain, you're, you're on yep. like the weather. You're the guy. Watching. You got to make the call. Yeah. Which is really hard because, I mean, you, you just use the want- weather app. You're like, oh, yeah. yeah. It's like it's going to yeah. <laughs> have you ever have you ever had like a swing and a miss where they're like fucking this is gonna be a rager this storm's coming through and we're all done afterwards and yeah. then you're like all right guys well we're all gonna not have houses so i gotta cancel the game and then it's like 70 and sunny yes man i did it It was like a junior high it was a junior high track event i really wanted to get it done because you only have so much movement for those because like do it once a week and you usually have like you know and they need a whole on the weekend. Whole yeah exactly thing. right yeah. so it was like, I kept looking at this radar. I'm like, oh, this is coming in. Like, it's going to rain, and I don't want these kids out there. If it's like a thunderstorm comes by, because there's nowhere to go either. Like, you're out in yeah. the middle of a track. So yeah. I'm like, oh, it's going to rain. So I, I waited, and I waited, trying to get the best route I could. So I called the, the other team. I was like, all right, we're going to cancel today. Called the officials and everything. Uh, and then, like, an hour later, it just nothing ever happened. And it was so uh, nice. It was like the most beautiful day uh, of the year. And I was like, yeah. I guarantee, I guarantee, had you not canceled it, a fucking tornado would have hit. I 1,000%. 1,000%. I've also, there's been times too where I've like, I've like pushed, like I haven't, like wouldn't relent. I'm like, we're playing today, like a baseball game or something. Like we're going to get it in and it's worked out. So sometimes it does, yeah. sometimes it doesn't. 
part of being in this deep. Yeah, best shooters keep shooting, baby. You know? Exactly. I'll tell you what, the kids appreciate it too, because they want to play. So Absolutely. if you're if you're a kid, think like you're thinking about it from the player's perspective, where it's like, dude, I need these games. Like, hey, this could be the fucking game. I pitch a no-hitter and I get a fucking college offer. You know what I mean? Like the this is that's like their thing. You know what I'm saying? So like you they want to play every game so if i were a player i would want my ad to push to be like no let, we're waiting like it's got to be something huge you know like we're we're playing in a lot of like we're playing no matter what unless you know whatever so i think the kids would appreciate that and i think that's great so so what you do is you deal with all the coaches right yep. like you don't deal with like their payroll and everything like that right? no no, okay. nope. I, I do submit like their stuff, all like their stuff to the the people, so like they know who's the head basketball coach, who's like the JV, who's and all every coach. I send them a list to our you know business office, and they take it from there. Are you responsible for uh, getting like the officiating for every sports event as well? So what we do as a league, like our all of our ads in our league get together, and everybody takes a sport. Everybody, so like they'll assign the baseball officials. Oh. Some people they'll assign the basketball. It's a great. It's a. It works. It's a great way to do it. Does it rotate every year, or is no, it so every, always? So yes, yeah, so whoever takes football, they do it as long as they can, and, and they want to. Somebody takes basketball, they do it as long as as they can, or, or until something. Uh, but do you ever think there's ever like okay, say if you're at a school and you're like, look, I our football team's good, and I want to get the good guys on our side. So, like, do you ever think there's any, like, cooking the books with the refs, so to speak, where it's like, hey, if you're doing basketball, hey, remember, I'm the one that gets you your shit, so fucking screw the other team here. Give me some of the calls, you know? Is that, like, do you think that would go down or no? No, I don't think so. No, we, we yeah. no, nah, I wouldn't, no, nah, I think those, the, the dry are pretty, like, I don't, you know, they yeah. do the best that they can. Uh, there's not a lot of action on a high school girls' JV right. basketball. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. I don't yeah. Think- <laughs> It doesn't matter who you get. The volleyball volleyball over doesn't miss much. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, all right. Nice. Uh, So, look, man, we are coming to the top of time. We do have a hard out. Uh, So, look, bro, um, really loved having you on and would really like it if you would come back on as a repeat guest. Would you be willing to do that? Dude, anytime. I had the best awesome. time. I love awesome. you, man. This was so much fun. I can't wait this to do it great. again. I can't wait either because really we kind of like set the table, right? Because <laughs> we didn't get into any major stories about scheduling games and shit during COVID, right? And I can only fathom like the amount of fucking monstrosity you had to put put up with during this like canceling rescheduling all this shit for covid like i can only i god only knows what you had to go through for this so it's been an insane wild ride man I, we'll tell you, we'll next time we talk we'll go through it all it's been crazy oh man and i can't wait i can't wait dude so awesome all right so you've been hey you've been a great guest we really had some good stuff this is a very interesting episode and i'm fascinated to see like you look, you came up, your kid grew up in blue collar neighborhood, uh, you know, with your parents and, you know, we, oh shit, we didn't even get into what your parents do. What do your parents do? Uh, my dad's a lawyer and my mom worked for, um, as like a teacher for a while. Not like a, she was just like a, 
she worked at like an extension of a university to teach like the community, the university research Fuck. resources. Fucking yeah. got some smart parents over there. Huh? You fucking <laughs> smart. Look at you. You're smart. Fucking hey. Fucking do you smart. Nice, man. All right, cool. So you got a dad who's a fucking lawyer. Then you got a mom who's a fucking professor. You know, so you guys were really like fighting to make ends meet. I understand. Uh, <laughs> but no. So, okay, cool. So I love the story of how you started out, you know, regular neighborhood kid with your friends. You still have the same friends to this day. Pod has been your best and longest friend for since day one. Right. Is yeah, that it? Yeah. I met him in preschool. Man, ride or die with that guy. Fucking shit-eating grin Mike Podkesy. Fucking, yeah, you heard it. <laughs> shit-eating grin Mike Podkesy. Fucking write it down. So, uh, but either way, you came up with your with your crew. Still your crew today. Great bunch of guys. Met them all. Good dudes. Uh, you know, and the story of how you started out going, you know, started out at, is, uh, as in the housing authority working as a mechanic to becoming a sports writer for the Oakland Raiders and then becoming a sports analyst on ESPN to then working, you know, while working at UPS stock and trucks just to get by while you're, you know, getting your dream going. And then you build all these relationships covering athletics in the area and then eventually got you the job to be the athletic director you are today where you're doing a great job and killing it. And man, this is just, you know, so proud of you, man. See, cause I saw you back when I was drinking car bombs and you couldn't drink cause you were underage. And to see you now, it's just been a wild ride, but glad I could be a part of it. And this is fucking great. And I can't wait to have you back on. The next time you're on, we're digging deep into some COVIDness. And I can't wait. I might even book you after the show. But so this is where we come to the part. Nick, say thanks for, uh, thank you for coming on. Thanks, buddy. Yep, glad to have you. Love you too. And then, so uh, this is where I'm going to end the show. uh, But make sure... You check us out on Twitter at Working P Pod. Uh, if you want to come on the show, email us your info, and we'll put you through the approval process. And you can email us at workingperspectives at gmail.com. You can also follow us on uh, Instagram, YouTube, and wherever at the Working Perspectives page on Instagram and YouTube. And yeah, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, This is the end of the episode. And uh, Nick Gill's been the best working perspectives podcast. I'm Matt Lavelle with my editor and producer, Tom Byers. You know, uh, have a good one. See you later. We're done. Bye. Do you have a message or a story inside of you that you've been waiting to tell? Have you always dreamed of writing a book, but are intimidated by the complexities of the book publishing world? Perhaps you want to use a book to launch your public speaking or consulting career. If so, please reach out to Scott and Bell Publishing, located right here in beautiful Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Scott and Bell Publishing handle all genres and authors with all experience levels. Scott and Bell Publishing gives authors 100% creative freedom and a higher royalty split. They can be found at www.skot.com. B-E-L-L dot com. That's www.s is in Sam, K is in Kite, O is in October, P is in Tom, B is in Boy, E is in Edward, L is in Larry, L is in Larry dot com. That's Scott and Bell Publishing, where the authors go.